0: Welcome to Speaking of Strong Style, where we discuss the news, issues, and events surrounding New Japan pro wrestling. I'm Stephen Conway. Joining me as always is Jeremy Finestone, and we are thrilled to have one half of the Power Bombshells with us as well. You see her there, Mel Gray, and she was in attendance at the Big Forbidden Door Uh, Card both last year and this year. So we have a live perspective. We have our retrospective uh, coming toward you for this uh, episode of the show. And uh, we're very happy to have you here, Mel. We're very happy to see you again here, Jeremy. It was uh, a week of heavy anticipation. Uh, I can't think of too many cards that have had this kind of mental build where the, the fans are just going through ideas in their heads as to what this could be. And uh, in some ways, uh, not everything hit, but boy, the stuff that hit, hit about as well as anything's been hit, because I think we saw one of the best matches that I've ever seen. We uh, saw some wild brawls, saw some really good wrestling. And Jeremy, now that we're a little bit of space from it, how are you feeling about Forbidden Door just in general before we start breaking it down?
1: A grade, not quite a plus, but a definite A. I am looking forward and thinking about Forbidden Door next year, and I am wondering what are the big plans coming out of it. Uh, there were a lot of unexpected finishes, and a on the on the big uh, on the big cards on the show, and uh, down down the card, pretty pretty much what you thought it would be. But those two uh, two at the uh, top completely changed the dynamic of New Japan going into the G1, I thought, and just in a very exciting time based on a forbidden door.
0: So again, we're we're sticking with the generalities here before we get into specific matches. But Mel, you were there live there at the Scotiabank Arena. If you could talk to us a little bit about how you felt leaving the building after that show. We, we we talked heavily about the anticipation, but as you walked out, as those fans walked out, what was the general feeling in the air? But certainly aware that you had seen a couple of things that were very special. Uh, what were the general thoughts there?
2: Uh, honestly, it was amazing. Like, people were... I mean, despite it took... Once everyone got over what happened at the end, yeah. which actually, when we get to it, but there was a... <laughs> there was a communal length of time after the final finish of this show where we all sat there and i'm myself included trying to process what we had just seen in a good way but still trying to process what we had just seen so there was like an almost it was weird it's something i've not seen i've been to all kinds of different shows it was like it took everyone a little bit like half a beat To get up, what was cool is Brian Danielson came out and uh, addressed the crowd after the uh, show, and he told us how awesome we were, and that we were one of the best crowds, probably the best crowd that he had been in front of. That he hadn't listened to the final countdown since '09, (laughs) um, of course. Uh, that's my. Those are my... Yeah, no I wasn't to
1: find out Countdown could go nine either, apparently. Yeah, yeah there no, you go. They, they the were countdown.
2: really excited about it. They popped, um, from what I'm told, because sure. we had a dog sitter who was enjoying the show here. But uh, it just... He was great. He came, you know, he was like, thank you for being up for so long. This was a really long period. Like, he acknowledged that he was like, we know this was long, and we know that you guys... Are, and we appreciate it, and I appreciate it, and... Or, and then he really put over New Japan Pro Wrestling and talked about how they put out um, great wrestlers year after year. And it was awesome. And that he wanted to see more of them and you should want to see more of them. And that everyone there, it was just, so it was cool. So we had that because I think maybe be, he maybe even is just professional enough to be like, I don't think they're mad. I just think that they're processing it. And so he went out there and kind of got everybody like, Okay, everyone, it's time to go home. I'm awesome. We had a great yeah, feel, match and a feels great show. like he show. did the Anoki
1: moment for the for the Forbidden Door, where he just sent everyone home happy and gave him the, gave him the I'm actually Inoki instead.
2: Honestly, if he had done like the Ichinichi Nisanda thing, I, I it would have been like I would have laughed and just like that I don't been think the,
1: he could have raised his arm, but, but that would have been awesome.
2: <laughs> probably not, especially given the thing. But it would have been pretty fun. And the best part of it is, and he I'll just say this is that we were walking out with a group of people, and there was a little kid there, probably about eight or nine years old, whole boy. And he was like, That was so much fun. And I was like, Yeah, and I was like, Yeah, yeah it was. And he was like, <laughs> kind of, I was like, Because it was like I, that warms my heart. Anytime I see the youngins out there enjoying the stuff, because that's the future, man. So, natural <laughs>
1: life, right there. I'm like, yeah.
2: Oh, that's what I love to Can see. you
1: imagine being that age and realizing you're going to see wrestling better than this at some point in your life?
2: No. No. <laughs> These kids are they have no idea.
1: Yeah. And I'm saying amazing.
2: that as someone that kind of had no idea because I didn't become a really big wrestling nerd until I was much older, like more adult. Mm-hmm. I had I... like my early my you know, my early time back in the attitude era where i was watching with a friend who was a big fan a lot and and then i had
1: then you dipped out then you come back i I had had my awakening
2: in like 2016 when i went to an indie show in ireland with my friend who's been a fan since he was like five years old and that started
1: you had to go to another continent to become a wrestling fan again
2: uh it's not really a continent it's more like an island but yes
1: i mean another
2: i had to travel to (laughs) yes i had to cross the atlantic ocean
1: get your shit together jeremy for the love of god it's not a comedy. to
2: get get into new japan at least and to and to get into like nxt was good then it was back when nxt had like all those wrestlers were wrestling on nxt too and so it was really fun but yeah, I mean, it's
1: a great story. I wanted to, I wanted to embellish it and make it bigger. <laughs>
2: no, it is. It's it's. Thank you, Ott.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's fun to hear people's origin stories with how they got into this whole thing. <laughs> so it, it, it's a good kick. So we are going to talk about uh, each match on this show. We're going to begin with the major ones, the double main event, just for the folks uh, listening and and watching. We're going to start with the double main event, and then we're going to work our way backwards. Just so you know, so we're going to hit the the big talking points early, and then and then head back to the early part of the card and we're going to hit uh the whole thing zero hour all of it right there about a five hour show Uh, from start to finish there at the Scotiabank Arena, where Mel was joined by 14,825 other fans there in the building, big crowd on the 25th. So uh, just want to remind everyone, this uh, podcast, if you're listening as a podcast, make sure to give us a little bit of feedback, give us a five-star review, a rating, all that kind of stuff helps people find the show, and we're grateful for it. And of course, we're grateful to anybody joining us here live on the YouTubes. So uh, programming note before we get into it also, uh, next week here uh speaking of strong style will be coming to you on wednesday the 5th it's independence day here and uh, on the tuesday so we're going to uh, take that day off and it helps because there's shows on the 4th and the 5th that way we can cover both of them uh and uh have that uh, be right up to date so next week i only
2: chuckle time. i only chuckle over your thing i don't mean to like blow your thing here because it's wonderful but uh, i chuckle because you just made me realize that fourth of july is next week and then i'm so like out of it yeah
0: you yesterday we
1: we're like oh we need to change our plans <laughs> i was like oh crap
0: i, I grew and and you, you got to get onto it because i grew up in uh northwest indiana and i know that uh it, around fourth of july time michigan i grew up oh no, from, no it's I'm fireworks a, time a mile from the michigan border and michigan's where you got the good fireworks the stuff that's not illegal in indiana we used to stock up
2: oh yeah oh no <laughs> we like it's actually calm down i think it's inflation but in Maybe. general like i mean i can't you wouldn't believe how many like what times of year fireworks happen in this they're probably they're like, already
0: going off out there I, I guarantee you i'm guaranteeing i'm yeah
2: I, i'm i'm getting ready like, thank you i uh gotta get the uh xanax out for all my dogs so. yeah
0: yeah i'm curious <laughs> to see how mine does this year too so we will begin though with a match that uh was to me the unquestioned match of the night perhaps match of the year Uh, This is Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay for the IWGP United States heavyweight title. These two had an all-timer at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom this past year. They were matched up again and everyone wondered would they be able to top it. Now that's a matter of discussion and it's going to be a part of the talk that we have here. What I don't think can be debated was that these two have put together two absolute all time classics within a few months of one another, two very different matches, but two amazing uh, battles between uh, two really wonderful wrestlers who laid it all out there. So the first thing I'm going to start with, with you Mel on this one, because you were there live. I'm just going to ask before we get into the minutia of this one, the emotion of that crowd was as hot as I have seen a wrestling crowd for a match. It sounded on TV like everyone in that building was living and dying with every move of this match. I was in the building for Hart versus Austin. I quit at WrestleMania 13 and it was kind of that atmosphere where half the crowd was insane for Austin. Half the crowd was insane for Hart. Uh, but i think this one even had more uh what was the feeling being in that crowd as these this match developed
2: well she said it all i mean (laughs) no it we i'll put it to you this way is that there any amateur that was in the building that didn't understand how japanese like in new japan pro wrestling and all of that stuff like didn't I watched a fan throw an empty cup at two people that were still standing when the rest of the people had sat down because they were like, you need to sit down. Like, you're not following the rules. Like, it was, and I mean, you were like, people were starting to get it. Like, you saw the people that were there probably with someone that they don't usually go to wrestling shows, and there was a lot going on. It was Pride Weekend in Toronto. They had the parade. They had a sports uh, conference going on. So, all these people were in for it. Uh, they had a baseball game that day. So, there were people, and they got, and they, if they d- hadn't gotten it, this was the match where they got it. They were like, okay, follow the crowd. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're, all right, they're up, they're down, they're up. And every near fall and every rope break and every, like, I mean, I don't think. I mean, if I get—I said this to a friend—if I get to see a better wrestling match live than this match, I will be a ridiculously lucky person because mm-hmm. I thought like nothing would top Jay White and Okada at Madison Square Garden for me live. That was great. I also saw Kofi and uh, Daniel Bryan. You know, that was a great match. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that—I mean, it's—it's not even in the same like universe in a lot of ways like and it was so different than the Wrestle Kingdom match it was complete Will came out I was like wait a minute he's coming out to his other music and I like it took me a minute to real. I was like wait why are they wait because I was like into it dude, and I was like <laughs> yeah because when he first hit I'm like flashback you know normal day whatever and I'm like wait a minute he didn't come out <laughs> you know know, he came out to will osprey's music like
0: yeah yeah he worked he worked elevated uh the song elevated into his tokyo dome entrance as well but it also had the new one uh in there it was uh it was kind of more of the evolution of osprey presentation this was straight back to aerial assassin will and uh kevin uh, kenny kevin (laughs) kevin omega uh that's the tribute act that's going on across the street at another show. But uh, Kenny Omega came out to the more the cleaner Kenny Omega mm-hmm. type of uh, music, which was very cool to see. Uh, so my impression of this one, Jeremy, you said something similar to this when we were talking about it. The first one was clearly a new Japan match, one in which yeah. Will Ospreay sold like crazy. So the whole thing was the story of the Tokyo Dome match was that Kenny Omega was Will Ospreay's Mount Everest that this was his biggest obstacle. And if he was going to reach the summit of New Japan, he had to get over this mountain of talent that Kenny Omega was, and he would get beaten down and he would get close and then he would get beaten down. And really, if you watch the Tokyo Dome match, Kenny takes a lot of that match. And this was much more 50, 50. It was, I think more violent. I feel like this one got more violent. Uh, It certainly had, both matches had brilliant twists and turns throughout it we'll get into some of those here and of course it had the whole thing of will working very very hard to be a heel to that canada audience to the point of you know doing mm-hmm. the sharpshooter a little bit sarcastically doing a crippler cross face which is a little creepy but there it was uh you know it, which got a uh a, you a a sick f chant from the crowd which was well deserved and uh, may have only been this in the may have been the thing with only the second worst taste in the show, which we'll get to later. But, uh, you know, they did all that. The Canadian flag thing. He, snapped, he had a plant <laughs> there with a Canadian flag. Uh, I
2: popped my whole section when he did that because, uh, we were all Shawn sitting Michaels. there watching it and he was like strangling him with that flag. And I said, that's the meanest thing that's ever been done with a Canadian flag. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and of course he, he did the sh- tribute to Shawn Michaels, uh, the, the thing where he, you know, wiped his rear end with it and then put it up his nose, all things that Shawn did, uh, back when, uh, Shawn was uh, queen diva in WWE and, uh, when he was uh trolling Brett, but, uh, yeah, and, and we had Don, we had Don Callis. So, but what I was saying here, Jeremy, is that the Tokyo Dome match was a very different match than this one. That one was a very Japanese match. That was a very New Japan-style match. This one, and you see Don Callis right there interfering in it, this one was an AEW match, wasn't it? They, they, they went with a yeah. very different vibe.
1: Yeah, this was, this was New Japan pageantry on an AEW match. But make no mistake that this was an AEW match with the Don Callis interference and a number of other factors. The things that I was thinking about in response to all this is, Mel, you have this perspective. I don't believe that all 14,000 people that were in that arena saw the New Japan match between Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega. There are a number of people that may not have seen Forbidden Door last year and seen Will Osprey for the first time in this match in an AEW, like, big setting. From the indication that you got, is Will Ospreay a made guy? Did did anything change on the perspective of the people in that sh- it, during this match because of it? Did you get a palpable difference, or did you feel like everybody kind of came in there knowing what they were going to get out of this match
2: i don't think everyone came into this match knowing what they were get, gonna get i think the majority of the the crowd did but i think there were enough people that still haven't seen everything from will because we you know we see all the different matches that will has wrestled and we see the evolution that will has made and that will stop doing you know, running moonsaults on the ramps and the stage. And then he got a strong man body and started doing all these other things. And so I don't know if people, I think they think he looks fancy. And I think that they're like, he has, you know, even with the music is really cool and he has a really cool like look about him. He's very charming and charismatic. So, and he's a good looking man. So all the girls are over for him and plenty of the boys too. And it's just like, you know, I just, I don't think, I don't even know if I think I knew what I was going to get out of this match. I knew I was going to get like the greatest match ever, but I didn't think it was going to be like, this was like next level. There was, it was too much. Like there were times where it was like, I got to sit down anyway. Like, I, I, this is like, oh dear me. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, I, it's, I'm so glad that they're like, you know, oh, there, cause there was no like downtime in this match. And they yeah. were so in the zone. They were, they were like, if you didn't get it, you were like, you don't have a pulse. Like, it, it didn't.
0: It bled through the screen, I'll say that. I'm sure live it was even more so, but it, it bled through the screen. The emotional intensity of it. Oh, it and bled the whole
2: day. room was well, just like on fire. It was so hot in there that yeah. like, but there, not. I mean, god, everybody, everybody, little kids.
1: There yeah. is a specific moment that I want to ask, and this is gonna be a difficult one, but Uh-oh. what was the feeling in the room when the tiger driver 91 hit and Kenny landed on his head?
2: Oh geez! Everybody like sat down and was completely concerned. Especially when the problem with that happened, where I was worried about it was that, especially because Doc came over and started talking to him.
1: Yeah. And I don't well, know if was,
2: that, like, again, we don't know what's making the television and what isn't. So but, you
1: could tell in the arena. That and something Doc like was that, having, but Doc no was word. having
2: a mad like. There was a couple moments where he was like giving him one of these, where it's mm-hmm. like, "Listen to me, Kenny. I'm not." around here right like if this is and and i mean that's his like that's his life and i think doc samson takes that stuff very seriously sure. on like a lot of you know i may mean, I think yes. that we can say with great confidence that that guy if, was if you not saw kidding. the
1: footage from the screen of his head hitting and then his body landing on his head mm-hmm. you would be exactly doc samson's shoes and be like are you? Can you move? Can you feel your part of I just don't can think that
2: he was going to argue him. I don't think yeah. that if Kenny Ome- Omega was still breathing and able to move his body, I don't think that Do- I, they might have got into it if he tried to get him out of there. Mm. Was where that was at.
0: Like, the that, Yeah, the Tiger Driver 91, it's a modification of the traditional Tiger Driver and things. And Mitsuharu Misawa, one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, he and Bret Hart, if you've just added, those are my two favorite human beings. That, that in wrestling, that, that move, with all due respect to the late Misawa, should never have existed. It's just, it's just a straight drop down on the top of a guy's head. And it's, it is, it was frightening every time he did it in in all Japan, but that was an era when these guys dropped each other on their heads, like nobody else. It eventually killed Misawa literally. Uh, and, uh, everybody else from it is, uh, pretty much in terrible physical shape now. So it's, it's, it's a a thing where, man, sometimes you just wince, but the, uh, I, I mentioned it on the preview when we were talking to Sam, I don't know if you were on the call then or not, but I I just said that these guys may have even been in the locker room just saying, okay, well, we're going to do this, this, and this, but not this, you know, and I think once they get the rush going and that adrenaline and that crowd that uh, they were probably going to throw all that out and just go all out. And it feels like they did. Uh, You know, we had, just to go over some of the stuff that was in this thing, it it was, that we had juice from both guys, and that came from uh, Will smashing Kenny's face into the announce table, and then Kenny returned the favor with the ring steps. Uh, Will got a lot of blood off of that. Uh, He, like I mentioned, even doing some of the signature moves of some uh, Canadian legends that uh, the crowd picked up on immediately, had a thing where I was relieved at this Uh, Don Callis and Paul Heyman are the two best managers of the 21st century. Mm -hmm. So uh, I love the dude. I am glad that he in storyline got thrown out for a while because then the focus could just be on these two guys. Mm -hmm. And we got that for about uh, 15 minutes or so before he came back down, which was weird because you know, the referee kind of didn't, it was almost like the referee forgot he had thrown him out. He didn't seem to be all that upset that Don was back out there and he started interfering. but uh yeah again picking nits. but there were things like uh hidden blade and a stormbreaker but kenny got the foot on the ropes uh but even before that uh don callis slipped a screwdriver to uh will which again this takes it more toward aew stuff than new japan stuff when kenny attempted the one-winged angel he got jabbed in the forehead with the screwdriver from from that and then he hit kenny with a one-winged angel my god uh but the hidden blade stormbreaker kenny gets his foot on the ropes in about as well-timed, uh, barely getting your foot on the rope as humanly possible. I was sure that was the pin. And then I saw the, his foot just shoot out there. And it was, I remember like falling back into my couch. I was like, no, he didn't get it. Oh, my God. You know, And he hit, Will hit a kamagoye, which somehow the announcers missed and didn't call. Uh, <laughs> then a one-winged angel on Omega. Kenny kicked out on that at one for a monster pop. Uh, Tell us about that woman Mal. Yeah, what was
2: that? Yeah, that was a pretty big pop. That was like, (laughs) I mean, there are some times when people kept getting like that where they were setting them up and looking like they were going to finish. And it was like people were like falling out of the sections. I mean, it was like because they were jumping up so fast. I mean, uh, I think all uh, arenas need to look into this is uh, I know that not everyone does. They have to pour everything in the cups
1: for Mm -hmm. you because
2: they don't let you throw the bottles right all of these had covers on them and it's a it's a good thing or it would have been a nightmare in there to try and clean up because people were just jumping (laughs) up out of their seats just like i mean it's like wait it's still out it's the, the match is going on still like i mean it's just and I love Don Callis, too. I'm a huge Don Callis fan. I love him. Like, I love hating him. I love watching. I was laughing while people were booing him just because I love watching people hate him. This is so mm-hmm. awesome. Um, the fact that he kind of came back with no reason and it was like, didn't they throw him out? Why is he back in here? We were getting frustrated with that, actually. yeah, Because it was yeah. like, get out of here. There's a match going on.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, and... yeah, you just wanted to see him keep going, and then, yeah, like I, like my notes, I had a page of notes, and I'll spare everybody all that. But I mean, <laughs> but I'm sitting there taking. You do. Was Hannah?
1: I bet you do have a. Yeah, I just had a page it was of a notes. Forty-minute for match, my man. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, what, what was the the official time on that thing? It was five. Thirty nine thirty five.
2: Is that what it was? Thirty-nine, thirty-five. Okay. Just
0: underneath forty there. Yeah, and. uh in the end i mean the, the, there was brilliant crowd manipulation on this one brilliant work uh, two guys that laid it all out there it looks like everybody's relatively okay i mean will shoulder was bad going in and it's still bad coming out he mentioned that but he has a little bit of time to rest before g1 and and uh, it just a a match where it looked like the crowd and and everybody at home certainly in my living room and uh, I, we were just collapsed and we were a little emotionally exhausted after that one it, very rare You have that kind of visceral reaction to a match like this, but these two have been able to pull it off two times in one year. It's very special.
1: One more question before we wrap a bow on this one. Is this it for this feud for now, or are we coming around within the next year on another match?
2: You want my opinion on this? I want
1: both of your opinions. Let's start with you, Mel. Go ahead.
2: All right, I'll go first. I don't think it's the end necessarily. But it does open Kenny up for other possibilities for All-In, and it does open Will up for other possibilities at All-In that we didn't expect because we have a whole G1 going into this where there's a lot of outliers. Okada and Kimia. um, I have a friend who is 100% convinced Will Osprey is winning this G1 you will not unconvince him right now. There isn't like so that this is the start of something big. So yeah. that being said, I don't think this is necessarily over because I think that they think that they have another match in them somewhere because they're in a year. Like,
1: by forbidden door by forbidden door next year, do you think that they have another single match?
2: By Forbidden Door, yes, because I would think that if it happened, it would be on Dominion in Japan, is what okay. my guess would be, or something, or maybe at Genesis. Okay, where it would there... be, but Dominion is such a big summer kickoff show that that would be a good show to have Kenny on next year and have you well kind on him. of
1: touched on something that I was gonna hit on next, but I'm gonna go to Steven and then we're gonna we're gonna get. To that.
0: Well, I think that there's a lot of possibilities for doing a third one. I think there will eventually be a third one. I don't think the companies involved are going to be able to help themselves. <laughs> it's just been no. two yeah. all-time classics. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be able to help themselves. And I think Kenny and Will are, would be down to do it again, although, you know, got help them. I don't know what they'll come up with the next, with that, with the next one, but... There are some really good possibilities. I'm not totally moving past the idea of this coming to Wembley with Will as after being the heel in Canada, being the baby face at Wembley uh, possible. I'm a little lower on that one than before. We've got Wrestle Kingdom coming. That's always a possibility. I also think that Will... Or Tetsuya Naito are the, my front runners for the G one, and yeah, uh, I there's say some, that because there's
1: some changes in our in our in our paradigm shift here. <laughs>
0: the Naito thing because they have stayed with Sonata, and at some point, Sonata and Naito have to wrestle each other with all the marbles. It has to. They have it has to. to well,
2: they have to because of the turn.
0: Yeah, and and Naito... He
2: screwed over Naito's like, and Naito looks all. I mean, we'll get to Naito, I'm sure, but he looks as cut like. They had you set up thinking he was gonna get that belt run because of how great he looks right now. So yeah. he looks and, ready to good, take a, make a belt run. So
0: and, and then and it I was told- like, oh.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: Naito doesn't necessarily have to win G1 to get that match. He could eliminate Sonata from G1 to get that match in between there and the Tokyo Dome. That's possible because you could do the thing where he kept Sonata from winning the G1. Now he's going to take the belt, but Sonata survives it and goes on to the Dome. And there's a lot of possibilities, a lot of possibilities. The you know, the thing with Will, too, is he could win the thing and go on to the Dome. Then it would have to be something else. Uh, and I we felt... Last year when he lost to Kenny and he said, I'm giving myself one year that that meant, you know, nothing, nothing is said by accident in New Japan when it comes to those type of comments. Never. So that is a thing where ghetto has something in mind for him. Don't know what it is there. So it could be, it could be at the dome. It could be in Wembley. It could be at next forbidden door next year. Will Ospreay might be an AEW wrestler. That's possible. Uh, and so there, there are a lot of things to play. I do think we'll see a third match, but man, it's it's almost impossible to read the tea leaves clearly enough to know when it's going to happen. But I don't think they'll be able to hold, hold themselves back from
1: doing it. All right. Last one. Last one on the one. Do you see Kenny Omega wrestling a match in Japan in the next year? Yes or no? Oh, yes. Definitely. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm going to say yes. So, convincingly. yeah, I, I just, there are things about this that make me think that he might skip a year and we might not see him in Japan. He barely went to Japan. He went there once and he hasn't been there since. We, we romanticized this time of his in with the U.S. title here, but he was really only there once and he was there for two shows.
2: So are you seeing in 2023? No, in the you...
1: next year, in the next year, between like, now calendar and calendar year again, from this Yeah, minute. well, okay. Like, do you see him in Japan? And I am not so sure that I do. I think I do. Okay, I
2: I do too. I'm okay.
0: I, between the dome and Dominion. I think he sneaks in there somewhere.
2: Those are big ones.
0: Yeah, no, I good. don't think Thank
2: he's you. gonna do the G one or anything like no. that. That's crazy. I think that those guys are past their G one days now. Mm-hmm. I that's too much of a slog. Like, but
0: yeah. Yeah. and and, I, and if I see i Genesis here. If I'm Tony, it's I don't no let pressure. him go for a month either. I don't let him go for a month
1: either if I'm Tony. Oh,
2: no. Yeah. Heck no. No, no. He's your biggest one. Of your, he's pretty much your biggest star in your company right now.
1: Like, he could, uh, Yeah, he could he could show up next year. Uh, but if you're one of those, like, do you think it'll happen? And that, that was basically mm-hmm. my question. This was the headline on New Japan uh, 1972 after the match, the rematch. He's Osprey earn a bitter revenge. And we shall move on to the mm-hmm. next main event.
0: All right. So this one now, boy, uh, talk about a different type of thing happening in a match. So (laughs) Brian Danielson and Kazuchika Okada, this was the dream match of all dream matches. And it was a very good wrestling match. It was a really good match, I thought. 27 minutes, 40 seconds. But there were some things that happened here that we didn't necessarily pick up on right away. And, of course, now we know that on the flying elbow drop that happened after they fought on the outside for a while, about 20 minutes into the match. Uh, okada hits what was it a, a pile driver on the outside stu- so, the yeah
2: it was tough for us to see exactly from where we were because yeah. we saw them go over the barricade and we i actually that was one of the few times then we got i mean I, we were in a solid spot like one of the few times i had to use a monitor because it was just like mm. too just, just a little bit off of where it should have been
0: so all that was fine everything was going pretty well at that point they were having a match now the the crowd of course was down a little bit but I have theories about that. I'm going to see if uh, Mel backs me up or if I misread. But uh, the crowd was, was very much paying attention. They were riveted to this match, but they weren't that loud at this stage. I think part of the reason is because everyone in the world knew this thing was going at least 20 minutes. So I don't think they were going to pop for anything huge before the 20-minute mark. And, of course, if you will follow all uh, New Japan, you know that no Okada match, big Okada match ends before the dropkick. Never. So we haven't had the big drop kick yet. So uh, they got back in the ring. Okada went for a flying elbow, which he has done a thousand times. Uh, And Brian Danielson has taken moves like that a thousand times. And this was the one in a million shot when Okada jumped off and Danielson, I backed this up and watched it on the DVR guys. It doesn't look that bad. It doesn't look like anything weird happened, but he got it just right his arm was a little bit out of position and he broke his arm Uh, or at least he he knew he felt like he broke his arm. He hadn't had x-rays yet when he said he broke his arm, but he felt very strong that he had probably did at that point, whatever plans they had for the rest of that match had to go out the window because Danielson just couldn't do it. His arm wasn't going to work right. So the rest of the match was a little bit strange. (laughs) It got weird after that. So one thing that he mentioned in the, post-match press conference is that he started doing things that he did not intend to do going into the match such as the yes chant which he said he would never do again but he felt like i got to do something and he was kind of in the neighborhood of panicking a little bit uh he faked a seizure for the love of god which you know in the moment maybe that sounded like a good idea it wasn't uh but (laughs) it did provide a way for him to get some messages to bryce remsberg again looking back on the dvr these are all things i didn't see when it was all happening live but he was able to get some communication going between bryce and bryce to okada and all this to try to improvise some things and uh when all that started going on mel in in the crowd out there i didn't realize that he was not selling that he was actually hurt i thought oh he's really selling that arm really well and it, i guess it's a testament to danielson that when you see him like oh he's capable of selling on this level <laughs> like, no his damn arm was broken did you have any idea there live that he was actually hurt in that moment or it was just like oh he's just working an arm injury
2: it took when they see okada doesn't usually go outside the ring and do spots but so that was like okay that's interesting it's like he just not he doesn't he doesn't but i mean it just seemed weird and i was like okay this is kind of like a danielson style like here's a little AEW and the flare in this thing where they do a little bit of a like into the crowd move and i was like "Mm." and there was another one this weekend that happened that i can't recall this minute but it was it looked just like the one that took uh, adam cole out last year Hmm. and it gave me flashbacks and I didn't like it, and I mean it was almost the exact same spot where it was like a Toby Suicida or a, like out into the crowd basically. Almost, it was the same exact moment almost that. It, so we had that, and then but then with this one it was they were outside the ring. They fought outside the ring. He got back into the ring, and I was like, "Is he hurt?" Or is he selling? And mm-hmm. Bob said to me, he's her. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think part arm. of that
2: is that Bob doesn't watch as much wrestling as I do, like because he has like a real job and a life. And, <laughs> you know, I have a different situation than most normal people. So I do get to like partake of more wrestling than the average person with the. He's, you know, he's a retail manager too. So it's not like he's working 40 hours, he's right. working minimum of so Mm -hmm. so to an outsider it was kind of good it was almost good that he was there and that for those of you that don't know bob's my husband he was there with me um he basically looked at me and he's like he's not selling like he's not he he, that's not sellable and it was something that he um he's used to used to sword fight he was a master sword fighter so he has participated he has partaken of the martial art wow all right and so for him, he understands sort of sort of that kind of level, like on the level of like people being in combat in that way. You know, I mean, hmm. take away the sword, but it's where he was like, no, there's certain things people do that you can't sell that are really actually hurt. And so he went down, but I didn't catch the arm injury because he was laying there and Doc Samson sort of jumped in the ring with him. And then here's how good of a salesman he is because uh, I think everybody has a pretty twisted view and I'll just put this out there for everyone since we're going to talk about it is that I had, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm an epileptic, I had a seizure disorder as a result of a brain tumor uh, that was um, a special case, sort of a weird uh, long story that I will tell someday somewhere if anyone wants to hear it. but the long and short of it is is that after the tumor for a year i had an intractable form of uh what they call focal epilepsy which means it comes from a specific part of your brain okay wow and so i have had my right temporal lobe resected because that's where my seizures were coming from and they couldn't get them under control with medicine and conventional means and things like that so Mm -hmm. they had the thankfully i was living in seattle at the time they had been doing this surgery. Um, They now do it fairly regularly. It's very successful. It's way less invasive than it was when I did it, uh, which I love because it's like, I'm in the brain bank. I helped make this a much less invasive and a much more successful. Being an intractable epileptic Mm -hmm. is terrible because you can't, and it comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. It's, you can have faint seizures where you just don't know. Um, I was lucky. I had what they call auras, where my ears would do weird things, and so I would know to get to a safe place. So for me, watching this,
1: I yeah, can, I get, yeah.
2: So for a minute, what was happening in my brain was one of my favorite wrestlers in the world is having a seizure because he was doing it right. Um, people fake seizures on shows, and Air and just like that's not what a seizure looks like. You're not doing yeah. a seizure. Yeah. That's like. But what he was doing was neural, like neurologically Irrally accurate, neurologically accurate enough for me to have a moment where I sat down in my chair and thought to myself, "Am I watching one of my favorite wrestlers in the whole world have a seizure in yeah. the main event of my favorite show that I was looking for?" Like I was, and and that moment happened. It was real. It was, and I was. Scared. I was like, wait, is he really having okay, a so
1: here? let me ask you this when Okada came over and kicked the referee away and said, Move out of the way, I'm I'm dealing with this. Did you snap and realize it was not real? Or did you think that Okada didn't understand what was happening? Or did you have a reaction to that?
2: No, I thought I realized to me, I went, Oh. It's an angle. Okay. And I mean, I didn't like, it didn't make me happy. I mean, I was sitting down going, I'm looking around to see if an ambulance is maybe coming in or if there are other neurologists like coming into the building. And because my, what kind of tipped me off to the fact that it was an angle after the initial thing was that no one was coming in to do the things that would have been done in that case. There's very... I mean, I've, I've, my first seizure when it happened, I, you know, I can tell you, like, kind of, I can give you the, the run back from the outsider's perspective from my husband that, you know, this is what happened. And none of those things were happening, and that was when I was like... And then that was when it sort of hit me in my brain, and I even went into our Discord because I was immediately like, a lot of people are not going to like this because...
1: I can, I can't this is like, it's irresponsible
2: else. given his history. If this had been... A random wrestler that never does it, like, and because you can get seizures from, you can get them from uh, being worked up Mm -hmm. too Mm -hmm. much. You can get one from being dehydrated. You can get one from being um, under, like you haven't had enough to eat or drink during the day. Like heat is a big trigger for seizures for normal people. Normal brains can't handle that. And they like just, And usually that's what's called a generalized seizure, where it's just your whole brain, like, it's like somebody just like shot something into your computer and just like shut it down. They kind of like the whole TV
1: screen just went like fuzzy. Like the
2: the whole, your whole brain just shorted out and went like, and you know, the whole thing.
1: So I felt cheaply manipulated at that moment among a very fantastic match. And Mm -hmm. I understand what you have to do in the heat of the moment when you're just trying to get to the next mechanism in the match. But I hope that there is feedback that they are understanding. Like, please don't ever do that again.
0: Yeah. And it's difficult because we, it's even more difficult because we know Brian, Daniel, Brian Danielson. I keep calling him Daniel, Brian Danielson has had these seizures. This has happened to him. And yeah, it does make it worse. I didn't like it at all. I'm, I'm not happy about that type of stuff when, when they do it, the, uh, I don't like the faking concussions stuff, uh, you know, when they do that. And then this was, it was a lot worse well, than the that. the same
2: so. AEW fans took, raked AEW, or uh, raked WWE over the coals, over the Roman Reigns angle with the uh, leukemia that are saying that this is, I mean, I'm not saying it's okay. I understand it as an angle. I think it was a bad choice. Yeah. Um, And it was in the. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to emulate uh, uh, my hero John Muse over there, and I'm trying to take it as a like like devil's advocate point of view. Is it was a, it was a choice. It was not the choice I would have made. It was a choice. Yeah. It was an angle. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen in wrestling. This company should be more responsible, considering who we're dealing with here, and. They pride us on being smarks all the time. So don't do that to us. That's kind of.
1: Yeah. That's not cool,
2: man. It's just not cool, man. It's not. It, It wasn't cool to talk about Roman Reigns leukemia. I lost a friend of leukemia, like, and I was just angry. And it's not cool to, like, the only thing I can hope here is that, like, this brings seizure awareness to people. Because, uh. It's really it'd be really super helpful. The epilepsy community would love it if people like understood things like don't hold people down and like the spoons in the mouth stuff is like from the like medieval mm-hmm. ages of right. seizure treatment. Yeah. But so maybe maybe he'll give Money to like an epilepsy organization or epilepsy.com, like the epilepsy. Found, there's a that'd primary. That would be, a, be a cool
0: sentiment. That would be but, nice. Yeah. And and so what we ran into here was a situation where that really seemed to suck the air out of the room. I, and was that the feeling live there? that, that I know you were having your own. Uh, sort of uh, reaction to it that you were, and then thank you so much for sharing that with us That was very brave of you to do and, you. I, and it's definitely appreciated and it really puts things into perspective for me uh were you able to take in the moment at that point and see did, did a lot of people feel the way you do which just like oh this is this is this i don't like this at all it was was that the kind of the general thing because it felt like it sucked the air out of that room
2: well i think when you do that on the tail of the kenny omega will osprey match because we were already tired. And we were trying to stay in this match. And we were. Everybody in that building was working as hard as they could. To make this show good. Like the people. in and for the vast majority of the people in that building. Knew what they were in that building for. Just like last year. And so they were trying really hard. But I think when you take the amount of emotion that it took. After the Kenny Omega match and then you do something like that and some of us actually have worries i think mm-hmm. that those two things combined it, it refo it we people were much more focused on the match than they were mm-hmm. um the, the the size of the match like this it the main i think it shrunk the match down a little bit like interesting and, which okay. sucks because This this has never happened before. Yeah. These two have never wrestled before. These are two of my Okada is my absolute favorite wrestling of all wrestler of all time. And Brian Danielson is like in my top five. Mm -hmm. And they're both so talented and they're both so creative and they're both so intelligent in the ring. And I just Okada like made me a new Japan fan forever. And so it's like I want to be intent, but like suddenly the match just went. It shrunk down just a little and it was still a good match.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But they it, were on their they were on their way to something special and they, they managed to improvise a finish here that didn't involve uh Brian using his arm much at all. Uh and he's remarkable.
2: He, like they choreographed a the whole second half of a match. It was like if you had done some other way of delaying, you guys just wrote a whole second half or third act of your match on the fly. You're yeah. that good at wrestlers.
0: Yeah. And so what,
1: and what he ended up but doing was
2: like that detracted from because of the way that they did it like mm-hmm. so we don't like get to appreciate the fact that these guys are such masters that they were able to improvise the third act of this match because of an injury instead of just calling the match and like doing the finish because yeah, I, I, of the way that they figured it out it sucks it kind of sucks yes <laughs> <it, so. laughs>
0: So what Danielson ended up doing is coming up with a modified LaBelle lock using his feet there, and uh, Okada ended up tapping for the first time since the 2015 G1 in a match to uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. So what, not to move past then anything here, but it felt a bit flat, and of course it was because Danielson couldn't really do a lot of the stuff he wanted to do. It didn't have the suspense. He did kick out of a rainmaker. Uh, he managed to do that. And that was a good near fall, but it didn't have any other real serious near falls. And my girlfriend, who's a very casual wrestling fan, uh, enjoys the big shows and things, but doesn't follow week to week, just said it just didn't have suspense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there wasn't that anywhere. You know, the kick out one, two. Oh, and, of course, Okada's one of the best in the world at almost getting beat and getting his shoulder up at the last oh second. God, and he's so... and so this took all that away. And so my feeling before I knew he broke his arm was that, oh, they are going to do this again, and they will. That was the other thing that I had wrong. I thought this was a one-off thing, but obviously that uh, is not the case. That, that this is coming back. I think probably at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom, because uh, Okada needs something if he doesn't win G1, uh, and this would be something special there for him to get it back. Uh, that, that's my guess. No inside information or anything. But the key to that for me was that you know it just lacked a little bit of suspense. And at first, I just thought, oh, they decided to do it again, but this time they left too much on the table you know Mm -hmm. they were saving some stuff but as it turns out it may have been more to do with uh, brian danielson's physical limitations than any uh holding back I, i just think he was hurt and they couldn't do a lot of those uh quick spots for near falls and high impact moves that lead to close two and a half counts that type of stuff just uh couldn't do it so they put together what they could. And uh, Okada ends up tapping out. Uh, and uh, I, I doubt that was the original finish of him tapping out. Uh, but, you know, they I, I do think Danielson was going to win this one, so they were going to do a home-and-home thing. That was my guess, Jeremy. Does that feel that way to you?
1: Honestly, I think they might do it again at Forbidden Door next year. I am i am operating. You, you've under... got half
0: of that show booked already. Here's the they thing about that. No, Absolutely. here's the thing. Here's the well, thing. Well, no, I, here's my point. Point. To do it Tony do doesn't believe believe it. like Tony rematches. Gone. Tony books these things and he doesn't like rematches.
1: He, he, I do not believe that Tony Khan is very interested in sending his top talent to Japan. Like, as much as lip service he wants to give you and guys like Moxley will push for it, like, I do not believe that this is a 50 50 true, like, Relationship share thing. I believe that AEW has a foothold in this relationship in a lot of ways, so they can ask for Danielson at Wrestle Kingdom. I don't believe that Tony Khan automatically says yes to Danielson. At but that's
0: something New Japan would have worked out before this, right? like okay. We'll give you. We'll give you our biggest. I guy, don't know, O'Connor. man.
2: There's like empirical evidence to back yeah. up what Jeremy's saying here a little bit. Like they totally screwed OTT back for Scrapper Mania. That was like Tony was mm-hmm. like, I don't give a fuck.
1: Like they Sorry, they care more one. about the relationship with New Japan than they do the indie. And I sure,
2: I, and I know, but I still I think. But your but your character. But they are is the like, alpha
1: dog in this relationship.
2: Character and character is action. And yeah, I mean, you're right.
0: My the other side of this is Danielson feels like the tokyo dome is probably a, a bucket list I thing, hope he goes. to have that
1: wrestle kingdom oh thing i want him to there. go
2: yeah. why would you not want him i am yeah. just
1: realistically bullet like i am more bearish on tony Khan sending like a cadre of people like talking about sending kenny omega sending danielson if we get one of those guys for a show like that i'm over the moon if we're talking oh, yeah. about sending like Two or three or four different guys at the main event level to the Wrestle Kingdom as a make good for like what was done at Forbidden Door. I would be amazed if that happened. I just don't see the relationship working
0: like that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, again, it's a little bit of that. Is you know, he's he's going to work. I I think he might want to work with him. Part of the reason I I think he was part of the reason I think he's working so much with Will Ospreay is he wants to sign him away from absolutely. Yeah, that's and that's the headline
1: that's on New Japan 1972 for the last two days straight. Okada mm. left thirsty in Forbidden Door Desert. Yeah.
0: See, they're coming back with that. They're, they're, they're like New Japan, new New Japan wouldn't pump up the fact that he lost if that was absolutely. if they weren't rematching that. Yeah, that's all I'm well, saying. And now. I'm
2: glad that you actually gave me that stat because we were sitting in our I'm not kidding. A lot of us around because the people that were with us around us were definitely also fans. Like the guys sitting next to me were definitely New Japan fans. We were all making cracks. Like it, it we we could tell we were all sitting there going, Okada tapped out.
1: Oh so even
2: bad. like knowing that there was like realizing that there we were all like yeah. when was the last time Okada tapped out? okada doesn't tap out Did 2015 tap
1: nakamura out? <laughs> yeah, and i was just
2: so I, but I appreciate that steven said that because now i can tell bob because bob asked me and i was like i don't know and i was too tired to look it up and i was too shocked that it had happened
0: Then almost eight years but almost eight years and it was too uh like a, just, a an of arm all bar. The
2: things, of all and, the things and i get it like obviously have. in retrospect and having like the global picture you you get it but yeah. It's still, I think, I think, even it was regardless of how I felt, it was yeah. still very much like,
0: holy Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, I, I think that ended up being improvised. I, my guess was that it was going to be a pinfall of some kind. He was going to hit the knee or something like that. And probably they, more than one in the end there and get the and get the win but
1: uh they still have the opportunity to say it is the first time a new japan wrestler has submitted okada in so many years when they eventually get to that uh there's a little <laughs> bit of shine off of it but man what respect to give daniel a submission victory over <laughs> okada in the main event of the show <laughs>
0: Shows you what Okada thinks of Danielson, too, to be willing to do mm-hmm. it. Even even though we are improvising and we're in the moment, but he, he did do it. So uh, we're going to have to move on to the rest of this card. We managed, we were almost an hour in, but they about, yeah, matches, but, about that. but We, will, we have, will
1: breathe through the rest of it because there the, isn't as much to go through. Yeah. Right.
0: And, the, and these, those two did pack such a wallop that I thought it was definitely worth spending the time on them. Uh, here was a match that is not worth nearly as much time on. Uh, Sting, Darby Allen and Tetsuya Naito, bless their hearts, with uh, Chris Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara. So, I spent so much time on Power Bombshells this week talking about how smart Sting is, about what he does, and his timing. <laughs> and then the man walks out and just lays an egg on me. Uh, I well, stand by. It, I stand by. Everybody the, the,
1: laid on him throughout the match. <laughs> yeah. Well okay here's what happened here folks and we're not now gonna I gotta go down this catch that.
2: uh the whole episode i only caught a little bit <laughs> so
0: we had, uh, was, i know uh, you was... guys
2: were making bets prop bets or something on things and i gotta go catch what they were because you were tweeting at each other and it's hilarious <laughs> with we, sam
0: <laughs> we yeah sam helps us out of course sam uh times women's matches and and points out
1: that uh oh, that sam we, is like that... a
2: wealth of knowledge not just the timing and understanding of the women's stuff but yeah. she's
1: great like i'm like she was so, so great! So on the show <laughs> check out Powerbomb Show Sunday. Yeah, do that. One PM Eastern, ten P, ten AM Pacific.
0: But but we had a little over under bet on how long it would take Naito to get his gear off. As it turns out, new land speed record for Naito. He was flat out <laughs> on fire there. Uh, not a lot of time in there. So he uh, came down to the ring and got all of his gear off in two minutes. Yet uh, Jericho was still working that he was uh, frustrated with how long it was taking, but that's a, that's the lightning speed for Naito. Uh, Sting, unfortunately not lightning speed. And I don't know whether, I don't know what happened on that one. The obvious storyline was that, that uh, Chris Jericho laid Sting out on a table and then told Sammy Guevara to go do your six thirty flippy stuff. Uh, and uh, land on him and put him through the table. Of course, the storyline is that Sammy's reluctant to do so. It's like, I don't want to do this now. And so they bicker back and forth for a little while. Sting is obviously supposed to get out of the way. Sammy crashes and burns because of Jericho, thus heightening the tension. Then Sting comes in and helps with the finish, where Tetsuya Naito ends up pinning Minoru Suzuki. That's how it was supposed to go. It would have been okay, except... Sting doesn't even come close to getting out of the way of that. <laughs> so it's it's like he suddenly realized when Sammy jumped, you can see him a little bit. He's laying there. He's not looking. And then all of a sudden he looks up at Sammy, but Sammy's in the air and you see him like twitch, like, Oh shit, I'm not supposed to be here way too late. And uh, he, he absolutely nails him. Now, Sammy sells it like he's been killed. And Sting, no cells being put through the table on him. And I'm just like, oh, dude, just make a liar out of me like one day later. And then comes in and botches the finish three different ways. And there was another weird thing in this match. I talked about it. Uh, Darby Allen goes to do a tope suicida. Chris Jericho blows a Judas effect. It doesn't look good. But very little of what Chris does looks good anymore. And uh, Darby was laid out for the rest of the match look at this man we've got sting who's what 60 years old you've got chris jericho who doesn't really do a whole lot well anymore minoru suzuki who's best used in little bits and little pieces darby's the one that needs to work this friggin match don't take him out for the entire thing with a bad judas effect for the love of god and and so this thing fell apart it just fell apart and it looked at the end it looked like what it was which is the old guy match
1: yeah i think uh i think Sting got his bell rung on that cutter at first, yeah. from from Sammy, and then it all just kind of went downhill from there. My fundamental issues with this match was it was the signature Tony Khan fantasy booking, New Japan from a purist New Japan standpoint. This doesn't make Norizuki sense. Suzuki has yeah. no reason to be feuding with these guys, he's in a fa- uh, a face faction called Strong Style. Speaking of Speaking
0: Strong, Strong, Strong Style. style.
1: And so him being a heel while he's got his partner Desperado as a face teaming up with Chaos in the pre-show is just one of those like, bro, I get that you like your version of New Japan and you want to tell people this is how you should be doing it, but there are things that work and you could have done that. I proposed the other day this match should have been Sting, Darby, Naito, Hiromo, and Shingo versus the uh, JAS. And that would have been an exceptionally better match than what we got here. Uh, but they didn't do that, and that's fine. But the discourse on this match has been exhausted. I would like to hear what Sam or what Mel has to say about it live. But, man, it just it didn't work.
2: My uh, <laughs> so I went and uh, when I hit the washroom during J- Judas because I don't need to. <laughs> I know exactly how long it is. I didn't need ah. to sing. I knew they weren't gonna do like they barely did the Cosme Norei stuff. So I was I was like I've done Cosme Norei a million times anyway. So but uh, so during Judas was when I qu- kind of slipped out because this one was like I guess it was low on my list of like this stuff on the card that I was like. Oh, yeah, i yeah, really excited. You know, because the, I mean, I, I'm not one of these, I didn't do a build. Like, they're not going to do a build. It's a crossover. It's a, it's yeah. a mega show. Like, there's no, it, just watch the wrestling. Just watch. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's wonderful. So much fun. Don't worry about it. But in this case, this was like, this was a vehicle to get Nido out there. Mm-hmm. Um, 100%, especially after having been in, like, we talked about on Powerbomb shows. At, having been in the building for collision when they announced that Naito was the person that was in this, this match was just a vehicle for Naito and they mm-hmm. didn't even have Naito in the, the ring that much. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, you guys had a vehicle for Naito. That was like the whole point, at least. I would say, even if it wasn't, that was how it was like sold to us. And that was how people I'm telling you, the way that the people reacted to on collision to Naito being announced, being on that show, he almost should have had a singles or, like, a tag match instead of something like that. Absolutely.
1: like mm-hmm. this, this was a mess on a booking. On a booking this
2: match. wasn't even... I'm going to say it. This wasn't even a good undercard on a New Japan show match. You know mm-hmm. the undercard matches where they do, like, sure. the... So you get a couple of highlights where maybe Darby and Naito, like, should have, like, I don't know, instead of it being, like... I don't know. It, it should have
1: been an opposing... It just I would... I would put Set it that- something
2: up in here or give me a couple of like, you know, a few like spots in a row of like, cause that's what they do in the undercard matches where you get a couple of the like featured matches, Cause you know, that match is coming up somewhere, but there wasn't even like, there was nothing even like that in there.
0: And they were trying to serve and they were trying to serve this Jericho Guevara storyline too. So they decided to make it about that and not the guys that they But, in that, but
2: we that. shouldn't, that didn't need to be on a, like, that's, You've got like all out and stuff coming. Like you've got dynamite yeah. and collision and rampage next week in the fallout. show. Like you can push that on one of those shows more. I just, I, it's, it got too aew in that part.
1: Yeah. yeah. And then Nido, I mean, the same Nido thing I had to again,
2: that was on the opposite side of the ring from us. So we had to watch that table spot on the TV and it was just like, Oh, that didn't look good.
1: <laughs> I don't Go know. Knew that he was in demand for this show. But he didn't really care about this show. Well,
2: he didn't need need to.
1: like he's just like this another day at the office. I'm looking forward to CMLL. That's why
2: he wore a robe instead of like 18 layers of clothing. And he, he literally, literally wore a, he a robe.
0: And of course, like, the big the big giveaway is he didn't take his shirt off. We know how Naito prioritizes his matches absolutely. with he takes a shirt off or not. Uh, I, bet, I bet I he does in Arena Mexico on Friday. I he
2: bet. looks great. Like he looks like he's ready I'm, to make a run for the belt or like I mean any of those things. He's like, he like,
1: in a one shape. He's looking good. He's pacing himself. I mean, he's not been working too hard to over me. the last couple months. I he didn't got the him, by the way, him, rolling up manure, manure well, I didn't
2: want to see him make a run at the, the belt again. I just didn't need another Nido run. Like, so when they were setting that up, but then it was to set up the turn, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, cool, thanks, Gato. <laughs>
1: they, they, I they always a good idea.
2: Sometimes I forget that it's Gato and it's okay.
1: They got, they got seeds, <laughs> they got seeds being planted, they know what they so, are doing.
0: Uh, Before that we had Tony storm and Willow Nightingale. This is for the AEW women's championship. Willow Nightingale, the uh, current NJPW strong champion. Got some news on that. We'll talk about in a bit, but uh, Tony and Willow, I thought had a good match here. This is good. We're seeing the better version of Tony storm. Uh, She, her personality came out a lot in this match. She's pretty good. A lot of heel personality. Uh, Tony, I think is one of the better female workers out there right now. Uh, And, uh, and certainly in AEW, uh, which is not a deep roster overall, but uh, Ruby Soho and Soraya were out there. They were thrown out when there was a wayward paint can in the ring. Uh, the beginning of the end came when uh, Willow missed a moonsault, but she did get an Indian deathlock on Tony. She hit a pounce on Tony, which sold. Tony sold a lot actually for Willow in this match. She She did work hard to try to get... Uh, Willow over and give her a bunch of offense. Uh, in the end, though, it was uh, strictly an AEW match where the heel uh, gouged the eyes of Willow Nightingale and then hit the Storm Zero. But I mean, a pretty good mi- uh, match uh, 10 minutes and 26 seconds. I've been saying over and over again Willow is not as over with Tony Khan as she is with the fans. I think the fans are definitely behind her, ready. James we three. have been begging Tony to pull the trigger on Willow Nightingale. You were handed this with the unfortunate injury for Mercedes Monet. But it feels like it's a temporary placeholder uh, as far as the belt goes. And uh, she had a good match, but this was just to get Tony over and move on to other stuff. And Willow goes on to meet Athena, which should be a fabulous match in the Owen Hart tournament.
1: Go ahead, Mel.
2: I wish that. So more people stay in their seats for this match than they did for that uh, tag match, the match we just talked about. This is, and this is one of the first times, because last year everybody got up during the women's match and left. Just like, I mean, kind of the standard, like, oh, everybody's going to get, nobody, like, Willow keeps people, everyone stayed in the stadium during collision, everyone stayed in the stadium during Forbidden Door, shockingly. Like, even so, Mm. I mean, there were more people stayed in their seat for, they were in their seat for this match. They were cheering for this match. They were into Mm -hmm. this match. But you're, like you said, that I, Thank you. You put that the most perfectly ever. Everybody loves Willow. They love her. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. And it's she has amazing. a connection. There's such, there's such charisma with her, and there's almost like a joy of life that comes through with her. Oh,
2: geez. And, she and, loves and, wrestling so much. She makes yeah. everybody. She exudes what we all love about pro. She's like, Yay! I'm a pro wrestler, and I'm doing this thing. And we're all like, Yay! We love you too. Mm-hmm.
1: It's 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 not the time to pull the trigger on her in a lot of ways, but I feel like the window's closing for now. It is not forever. And given the handcuffs that I feel like she was given on this push because she wasn't supposed to get it, I do think that she has made the best of the performances that she, that of the opportunities Mm -hmm. that she has been given, her performances have been stellar. Now, Mm -hmm. I got the, I got the video, the visual right here. Do you want to just go to the news that came out immediately after this match? Uh Do it.
0: Yes. So there you go. So Willow Nightingale was challenged by Julia from, uh, stardom, uh, the Donna Del Mundo faction, the leader of that former world of stardom champion and current, uh, artist to stardom six uh, uh, trios champion and uh, Julia at their pay-per-view, which was the same day uh, as the forbidden door on the 25th, won a steel cage match to retain her uh, trios title and got on the microphone and challenged Willow Nightingale for the NJPW strong title that will take place uh, on either the fourth or the fifth in Corican hall, at the NJPW Strong shows going on there. So uh, this uh, feels like a way to get to the original destination, which was Julia versus Mercedes Manet. I think that uh, Manet the was going to win and defend phrase, against Manet, uh, against Julia. Now I think it's just going to be the other way around, and they're going to get the belt on the person that they kind of wanted on, which is eventually Monet.
1: The phrase course correction has been used, and that seems – very accurate at this moment i'd be very shocked if willow's going to japan to retain the title
0: i would be too you know the thing is it's 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 man i hope tony just figures it out and he says all the right things sam mentioned this uh mel on power he says all the right things and then just the way he books willow it's like he's not quite convinced of his own words
2: Or he's a great politician because he works in pro sports and (laughs) business. I mean,
1: he knows what to say and who to say it to. Maybe so.
2: And I mean, not. I think that I think it'll catch up to him when he realizes, like when like that. It's gonna have to take a lot more, like, people pestering like Sam does about it in a like an intelligent way and not being like so radical that you can't like you're you hate women and and, you know it's got to be like hey we're looking for just like a little more balance and you've got this woman who's obviously over and you need to build your women's division so use her build your women's division jade was great and everything she was really pretty she was like a rock star and everything but she's not a pro wrestler like willow is Mm -hmm. and so you have both now so use it like but
0: amen. I don't know. Well, okay. I don't, I, think, I
1: he prior- I do, I don't
2: think he prioritizes it because women's wrestling was Braun Panties matches back when he was, even, yeah. I don't you know, think he prioritized when he was doing EFEDS to the level
1: that he, yeah. did.
2: he wasn't. But you I mean, was he like fantasy booking women's matches back when he was doing his e Like, I don't Probably know. Probably
0: not. <laughs> I, 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 if he did, I doubt that he would release them on the internet. <laughs>
2: Yikes, exactly
1: moving on to a five on five. The no, no, I'm saying, like she said,
0: no, like she exactly. said, though, when he came up, it was brawn panties.
1: No, I hear you, I hear you. It is, but you I, no, it's I'm just, just I said it brandy. and I'm, I'm <laughs> saying
2: again. I mean, that was one of my biggest pet peeves about when I first started watching wrestling. Oh, yeah, I'm like, well, how come these women never actually like wrestle?
0: oh yeah i mean especially because i would see this stuff and then i, mean, I had my his
2: fault that he's the age he is but i, I had my wife. tape
0: collection of all japan women and stuff like that where these yeah. incredible matches with aja kong right. and and manami toyota and all these people and i just knew what it could be and, mm-hmm. and you know that, that was driving me up a wall all right well i'm sorry we do we need to move on to this one. we got a lot to go through this match was so much fun we had the blackpool combat club uh, John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Shota Umino, who was allegedly in this match, although I don't remember him being in it, and, uh, and Kanosuke Takeshita, who I do remember being in it, facing uh, the Elite, and I love Shota Umino, but he just it, he kind of got lost in this one, uh, the Elite, uh, the Young Bucks, Adam Page, Tomohiro Ishii, and Eddie Kingston. This, that team feels a little bit like a battle bull, but the story here was Eddie Kingston doesn't like anybody. But he really, really, really doesn't like Claudio. So even if he has to team with people he can't stand, if it's a chance to punch Claudio in the face, he's going to take it. And that means he was in the ring with his best friend uh, or best enemy or whatever, however you want to put it, John Moxley, and there was conflict that way. And uh, so as this match went on, The Blackpool Combat Club have gotten very good at these multi-man matches of moving people in and out of the ring, finding little chapters within the match where two people square off. The crowd got to its feet for Moxley and Kingston. They were ready for it. We found out that Ishii versus Takeshita is the match we never knew we needed until now. And now we need this match, guys. Figure out a way. Uh, There were all these little moments where the Young Bucks and Adam Page got a hold of Takeshita and had some really fun crisp offense in on him after Takesh had been screwing them over week after week and there were all these little moments in this match as it went along that was a lot of fun I had a blast watching this and I feel like the crowd there uh, did too and uh yeah after this one it just seems like you could book almost an entire card off of this one match that I would be interested in seeing so uh Jeremy uh we'll start with you and then go to Mel what was your favorite part of this one? Which little of these nose-to-noses that we got would you like to see one-on-one?
1: Mostly? Honestly, the Takeshita Ishii stuff stood out to me more than anything else. Takeshida was designed to look like a star in this match and a world beater, and he absolutely looked the part. I was thinking I want to see Takeshita versus Okada at some point. There were matchups that I was just like lining up just because he looked so fantastic in this match. Conversely, I thought the uh, Hung Bucks were afterthoughts. I thought Shota was an afterthought. And there was really only five guys that this story was centered around, even though that there were 10 people in the match. It was probably my second favorite match of the night. It was more of a New Japan-styled multi-man match than a typical mm-hmm. AEW one, which is a typically more messy and... Uh, I don't know. There were there was a vibe to it that just felt more New Japan. And so a definite thumbs up for me.
0: You agree, yeah. Mel? Is it Ishii and Takeshita or do you have something else you'd like to say too?
2: Um, I mean, I'm all here for Ishii and Takeshita. So so is Riley, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, I mean, I think that that is the most obvious choice and I do believe that they should do that. They're doing Ishii and John Moxley on Wednesday. Dynamite already. That got you know, dropped in there. Sorry to mm-hmm. spoil that one, but um, it's okay. We're live. <laughs> I think they should definitely follow up on that. I think what people forget or don't know, even maybe don't know because Kesha is new to the AEW audience, um, he's been the DDT champion for mm-hmm. a while. Like he's a star. He's been a star in Japan for a long time. He knows how to be a star, he knows how to be charismatic. Uh, I really like the fact that he has taken this role and kind of shown his range, as it were, until he's gotten to this point where he's tall, dark and uh, sexy or whatever Moxley called him the other (laughs) week. And I I think that that would be an awesome, awesome match for maybe uh, like maybe put that one on the pay-per-view, maybe build it up like that, make us want it so bad that you put it on the August pay-per-view or what is it?
0: Well, I yeah, think the, so mon- the money him. match with Takeshita is with Omega, and I think that's going to launch him uh, because there, right. I have no doubt that that match is going to probably over-deliver.
1: And so in do that you sense, think that then lost.
2: that Ishii beats Moxley and takes on Takeshita to next kind of deal? Well,
1: I, don't I don't think Ishii is winning this match. No. no, no, I don't
0: think so either. I, I think Ishii, the way AEW books Ishii is to come in and have the Bushido Things where everybody mm. takes turns forearming each other, and then he loses in the end. I was very surprised he ended up getting the vertical drop brain buster and winning. Real this one. talk,
1: I thought the supposed to be Danielson versus Ishii, off of Yuta getting the pin, getting pinned by Ishii, but they had to pivot now that Danielson's arm was broken, and they still had Ishii. Yeah, that, I think that's possible. I, think I heard you opinion. say. I
2: think I heard you say that, and I think that I would. You're probably right because yeah. it, does, I mean, it does change everything like brian danielson breaking his arm does actually change a lot of stuff when you're really yeah. like yeah. i mean i'll be honest i was going to sit down and journal about this so i could deflate about it and i just couldn't get to it today because i was so freaking tired about it because i wanted to like <laughs> get my thoughts in order about like okay what's coming next but now you know just fantasy booking the future is maybe they're doing this one on tv now there's blood and guts coming potentially, yeah, so maybe yep. that's a that would be a good like a maybe a battle of the belts, although there's no belt involved there, so they'd have to get well. We got off.
1: the G1, he's gone for a while, he's he's gonna have his, that's a good his point deal too, going yeah. on. This is just kind of like this is a fan service match, but and, I definitely uh, want to
2: see Takeshi and Ishii because
1: oh, it'll happen one day. Happen. How
2: it'll can happen. you not want to? I mean, absolutely. That's a really good match. That's.
1: I, I am one hundred percent looking forward to this. I am not looking forward to talking about our next match. <laughs> and
2: I did, I mean, before you just, I mean, agree with you, it did feel like that one felt like a proper undercard, New Japan yes. undercard match. That it, was was it was awesome. Match. Yeah, it was a lot of fun,
0: and here we uh, yeah. Are. Oh, so one, here we are. This with, won't.
2: Ta- this one won't take long anyway, unfortunately.
0: Sonata against Jungle Boy Jack Perry. This was a delivery system for an angle that everyone knew was coming, and uh, that's what we got. So uh, Sonata was not particularly over with the crowd like any like the other New Japan guys here. Uh, he didn't feel like that big a deal when he came out, and he didn't wrestle like he was a big deal either. He wrestled like he knew that no one was paying much attention because everyone was waiting for afterwards when Jack Barry and hook were going to have their thing. Uh, they certainly got that across on the TV broadcast. Mel, I know you're in the building, so you might not have seen this, but they probably showed hook as much as they to- showed the two guys in the ring. So they could not have telegraphed this much more. They were practically oh, screaming. Wow,
1: really? let's, let's
0: just get through this little match matchy match here so that we can get to this angle. So it was 10 minutes and 44 seconds of not much. Uh, There was a little bit of offense from Perry out there. It was not a squash, but it was a a showcase for Sonata that he didn't take. He he could have done some things, uh, but he didn't. And and, and in in that point he kind of understood that he was not the the, uh, answer here or not the point of this here. So instead of trying to gain the intention or impress anyone he just was going to collect his paycheck and get out he basically just did a couple of kaiji Mudo moves including the moonsault to pin him uh took his belt walked back up the aisle and uh kaiji Mudo so, tribute
1: match <laughs> yeah, yeah it right. really it was, was actually yeah
0: so it did nothing to silence any sonata doubters as to whether or not he's the guy here i again we've talked about that there are signs that the people in japan are starting to take to him I don't feel like he did. I don't think he took this the right attitude toward this, and I don't think he helped himself at all in this.
1: Yeah, I was pretty bummed. I went on a pretty significant rant on the boom last night about the opportunities missed by Sonata here. Um, he did not treat this like it was an opportunity to become beloved by a fan base over a period of time. My outlook on this as a result is that Sonata is looking to become a venerated career champion get all the titles, work safely into his 40s and 50s and be the kind of guy that is around doing matches with his signature move, and maybe have a retirement like Keiji Muto one day. But he's got to have better matches like this along the way in order to hit that goal.
0: Yeah. and then jack perry turned on hook afterwards which everybody kind of saw coming right there and that's an aew Shocking. angle so yeah it, it was like i said they telegraphed the hell out of it so moving on from that one we had a four-way match for the aew international title and this was orange cassidy the champion uh, facing daniel garcia the only guy without a belt in the whole match poor daniel uh katsuyori shibata the roh peer champion zach saber jr the iwgp television champion 11 minutes, 29 seconds. A lot of fun stuff in this one. I think Zach Sabre was the MVP of it. Uh, He and Shibata had some fun spots, including uh, chop battles while holding on to abdominal stretches on their opponents at that time. So while they were in abdominal stretches, they were chopping each other. You also saw them get clamped into sleeper holds and still chop each other. So they were having fun in there. uh, Shibata and Zach, of course, kind of go way back. As far as uh, a couple of things, uh, the, you know, Shibata, when he when he did come back from the subdermal hematoma he suffered against Okada, Zach was his first opponent in that little exhibition match. So these guys have a bit of a history. Uh, but you know, in, in the end, they again a little bit of a storyline is the frenemy situation between Orange Cassidy and Shibata, where they are friends, they show respect for each other, and then they find ways to screw each other over constantly. In this case. Shibata was about to win the match. He hit a penalty kick on Daniel Garcia, who was there specifically to take the fall and protect the champions that were in the ring. Uh, and, and he was good in the match. He did, he, did, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. And uh, Cassidy grabbed Shibata, threw him out of the ring, and stole the pen. It was a WWE finish, uh, but since AEW doesn't do that finish constantly the way WWE did, didn't bother me as much as it does. It, it, it doesn't come off as uncreative as when WWE does it every other week.
1: I would but- also say that, like when you have wrestlers all at the same caliber doing it to each other, it's not as cheap as in you have someone who's clearly lower on the card pulling that maneuver to get a fluke win. Whereas when you have all these guys Carmella, all at that, same Carmella. Caliber- hey now but you know what i'm saying like there is an equal footing among the three guys vying for that pin that made it feel like okay this is what they had to resort to because they are so like lockstep with each other
0: fun stuff here though if they wanted to do any combination of these guys again i'd watch this is a fun fun group of guys this
2: is one of my favorite matches on the card just simply because it was like I loved that they were like doing each other's moves on each other it was a lot of fun. And that they were like doing like insider, like other moves from random things. And that like, they, you know, and, and they kept doing it. They kept tempting you. You were like, I could take anything. But the biggest thing was like, you didn't want, uh, there was a whole conversation about no one wants orange to drop the belt. Cause he's this great IC champion. Mm-hmm. And who in this match could he lose it to? And it's like, Oh no, this was the perfect way to do this. Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. really was a Complete way to let him keep the belt while showing you that, like, all these guys could have won the belt. Like, it it was this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Orange has
1: done such a great job that he needed to lose it on a one on one match and make the next guy because of the yeah, he's he's
2: Mm -hmm. done on this. I 100% agree with that. That's
0: Next up, we had CM Punk and Satoshi Kojima. Yeah, here we go. So uh, this was the Owen Hart Foundation tournament uh, match. This is the quarterfinal CM Punk and Satoshi Kojima. So when CM Punk was coming up in wrestling at OVW and uh, IWE Mid-South and all these things, uh, Satoshi Kojima was the man in uh, New Japan. And uh, you can tell that Punk has a lot of respect for him, looks up to him in a lot of ways, uh, said a lot of really nice uh, respectful things about uh, Kojima coming up, uh, who might be the greatest tw- uh, Twitter user of all time. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, Kojima and Punk uh, wrestled a really good 13 and a half minute match. Kojima can still go. He-, he can flat out still go. And he's won three G1s. He's a career Grand Slam champion, meaning he's the IWGP, Triple Crown, and GHC title holder at one point. One of the greatest tag teams ever with Hiroshi Tenzan. And somehow he still plays the part of the plucky underdog really well even though he really shouldn't be an underdog to anyone with that whole with that resume but again it's just the way he connects and uh this was exactly what we thought it was going to be which is he pushes punk but punk ends up getting the win punk leaned into the heel end of it and the crowd certainly treated him as a heel which gave an extra boost to kojima i mean is this an all-time classic absolutely not but considering kojima's age Considering you know, the circumstances, uh, I think both guys played their roles well, and it was exactly what it needed to be, which is a win for Punk and a fun match and a little showcase for Kojima,
1: who's still really good at this. Mel, tell me about that uh, response to Punk in the uh, in the arena.
2: Oh, geez, gosh, it was a little better than the first. I mean, the Collision Show had the real, like, serious, but it was not good. I mean, people he, people were booing. He and there were two things that I noticed about the whole thing is that it was more, more even for Forbidden Door because I think there's a whole portion of the audience that doesn't care about punk at all. Like I just think they don't care at all,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: I think that that sort of like and then so you got the other thing. Whereas the night before it was very like very specifically an AEW show. It was an AEW crowd. So, um, but he, it. I don't know. It was less. It was not as bad as the night before, but it's still pretty significant that like when he is in there and he's doing spots and he's get get getting out there, he's getting booed, and he's showing frustration. If you watch him, his inability Oh, to, we saw like, it. <laughs> to, I mean, I don't know if that was one thing I was wondering if they were like with the camera on him, is there were a few times where he was getting out of the ring and he was it was like two nights in a row really like this much and he was trying to sell like no sell it like i'm being a heel but there were a few times when he was coming out of the ring and he was angry and frustrated and on tv
0: it kind of looked like he was playing up the heel thing to me like he was having a little bit of fun with it i thought and when i was watching that
2: that's the case because i don't want another situation i just don't it's not good for wrestling it's annoying It's a I think he knew,
1: and I think he is playing into it. I when hope he Well, then he's out, a
2: better seller than I thought he was. When he came out How about that?
1: and they were getting the booth, he kneeled down and he did the beginning of looking at his watch, but he gave up on yelling it's clobbering time. He's like, ah, nah, I'm not going to do it. And mm-hmm. then he did it again on the night before. So I think he's perfectly aware of the response and he's playing the crowd because that's what CM Punk does. He works everyone every second of the day. And when you think he's not working you, he's still working.
2: Well, I mean, it's going to make money, though, every uh, time. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: People yeah. will go to the stadium. If People like going to the stadium to boo just as much as they like to cheer. So, I mean, it's like that for him, I mean, if nothing else, because it's so divisive, like people will definitely go there to hate him. Like people will hate watch him which is fine because, I you know, the ultimate self own hate-watching. <laughs> I already gave you my money, but I'm going to hate-watch you.
1: I just Amen. think it's so funny that he made a promo the night before about tugging on your balls, Bullet Club, and that Satoshi Kojima uh, tugged – Gave him a little tug with uh, with his full body.
2: <laughs> the coach, like you said, is like one of the best Twitter. He's like he's good at that stuff. He's a smart wrestler. He understands like American culture because he has wrestled here and he's wrestled all over the West because he's been in OTT and stuff like that too. So he 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 seems like a cool like he seems like he'd be a funny dude. Yeah. Like his yeah. bread his bread tweets are awesome. Like
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was was like, called
2: this the bread versus muffin, like bread versus muffins. Match. And here's I'm going to
0: read Kojima's uh, post match tweet here. He says, "My elbow drop hit his cock. Sorry, but it's not on purpose. Accident because I don't have that kind of technology."
2: <laughs> Which I think was a bad Google translation.
0: Yes, but. I think so. almost certainly, almost certainly, uh, Japanese to English is, is not easy at all. There's nothing. Uh, no, nothing
2: oh, it's though. so hard. It's, so it's hard.
1: really Let's, get, hard, let's yeah. get to another match here. The uh, the MJF hiroshi tanahashi discourse
0: (laughs) AWE world championship match and this is again the the tony khan fantasy books new japan because if it were ghetto i'm very confident they would have put somebody else in this spot with mjf right here Uh, tanahashi's knees are shot and he is an all-time guy he is an all-time legend he is on mount rushmore of japanese wrestling and there's really only one spot left on that after Ricky Tosan, Baba, and Anoki. And I think right now, Tanahashi has it. His body's gone. He can't run anymore. He can't jump anymore, which means the sling blade, the high fly flow, none of that works the way it's supposed to. And he still is in the G1. I don't know how he's going to get through that tournament, but even when he's in a tournament now, he doesn't win. He doesn't score that many points anymore. And Ghetto seems to understand that he is moving into that Tenzan Kojima thing where he mostly puts people over. Tony still seems to think that we're getting the 2014 Hiroshi Tanahashi here. And he keeps putting him in these spots. MJF did everything he could. And I said that what they were going to do is work a very physically safe match and that he was going to do a lot of smoke and mirrors to get himself and Tanahashi through it. And he did. There was all kinds of the air guitar stuff. For a while, for the love of God, he had Tanahashi in an abdominal stretch, and he was grabbing the ropes away from the referee. I mean, that spot wouldn't have been out of place at Madison Square Garden in 1986. It was like that, like very, very old school stuff. He got him through it. Tanahashi didn't look great. His body just won't let him anymore. But I think uh, MJF showed him the proper respect. Sold for him when he did get offense in. I, I think he was very careful about what he did to Tanahashi so as not to make anything worse. And then he showed him at least the respect of pulling the ring out and putting it on so it was a job win uh, just to show that he had to cheat to beat Tanahashi. Very respectful performance, I felt, from MJF. And 15 minutes, 32 seconds. And, and it was uh, I, I think MJF did a good work on this to get him through it.
1: Scam I'll, I'll look it in the arena. That's Mal. I'm at, ah, I've done that like twice now. I am so sorry. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, James. No, I, word, no worries. Please, please, just miss, nickname me for the rest. Of I, the I day. just
2: call you call you something else. I can just call you call you Kevin or something. The whole time. High
1: at this point.
2: <laughs> no, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's I. You, you know what? I would being mistaken for Sam is not even the worst thing in the world. It's so. still rude, and it's, I. Apologize. I mean, she's great. So I love that girl. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. But the uh, in the arena, um. The, <laughs> It's lost because of his heel craziness that MJF does, that he's an amazing wrestler. Like, he's actually a very good technical wrestler. One of my favorite matches in AEW of all time was his Moxley match. Like, I say this all the time, but it was such a good match. It was so, like, strong, styly, and fun and amazing. So, um, yes, like, it was very safe. He, I mean, as much as he, like, played the part of, I'm not going to show up, and I'm going, you know, he did the MJF thing. In the ring, he—you could tell that this is somebody that knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and it was taking care of him. It is incredibly sad because I saw Tana the night before too, and it's—you just know it's coming, and you can—and he's—I mean, it's worse to watch in person than it is to watch on TV because I can watch him walking off up the ramp, mm-hmm. and I can mm-hmm. watch him going off out the sideways, and especially the Japanese wrestlers don't want people to see them. So they'll kind of hook off before they go yeah. up the ramp and go through the bomb sort of on the side, underneath, mm. like an, underneath the stage instead of out the stage. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And mm. um, he was one of the few people because I don't know if you know people, and I was in live theater. So there's like there's the stage, and then below the stage where the orchestra pit would be in a regular theater setting is sort of for a wrestling match. You can kind of off screen.
1: Mm -hmm. exit that
2: Mm -hmm. to the left or the right side whichever side you're coming or going from and uh a couple of the japanese wrestlers but tanahashi both nights was very much like i don't want people seeing me he was he's got his you know he's grabbing his back Mm, you know he's i mean it's bless the guy and you said it he's on on the on the ground, Rushmore, and it's going to be the saddest day in the world, and I will cry. I, I, but can't, sure. and I don't know how, after what I saw this weekend, he is going to get through the G1. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel yeah. good about it, honestly. I think that I, they can get through it. He's got. But, uh, a he's doing it because it might be most. his
2: last one, is what I think.
1: Yeah. And Maybe. I think
2: they'll take care of him because they respect him.
1: Yeah. That's what's going to happen. They've got a very safe bracket for him. If you yeah. really look it's at it, it is not
2: really tough. It's so tough. I mean, but this—I <laughs> mean, we could. This could be his last. I mean. We be. should all prepare ourselves for the reality of this being Tana's last G1 because
1: MJF be. deserves all the credit in the world for yeah. getting through this match yeah. and getting it to no, it be was what great. It was. it was and uh it it was exactly what I thought it was going to be about 50% of smoke and mirrors and a few moves here or there. We got through it, it was the right finish. I am glad that MJF can cross Tanahashi on his list. One guy's on the way up, one guy's on the way down. This is the perfect intersection for
0: yeah. all right so well, i'm gonna read off the uh, pre-show matches and then we'll go into if anybody has any notes about them so uh tom lawler who was supposed to wrestle adam cole adam cole came down with a fever couldn't do the match so tom lawler ended up uh defeating serpentico in a pre-show this wasn't even this was dark this wasn't even on zero hour once zero hour began we got the mobile uh, mo- mobile uh mobile embassy you know i'll do it backwards there uh sorry jeremy i i I went the wrong way. Los and Gobernabiles, they have pwned the final match of Zero Hour. Shingo Takagi, Bushi, and Hiromu Takahashi, they defeated the United Empire in what was basically a New Japan house show match. And these are yep. six New Japan guys, and they worked it like they do those uh, fun uh, multi-person tags, preview tags, basically, that they do on house shows. Uh, also, El Fantasmo got a win over Stu Grayson, two Canadians there in Toronto, Showcase mostly for ELP here. And... Before that, we had the Owen Hart Foundation tournament on the female side, the women's side, quarterfinal match. Uh, Athena defeated Billy Starks in a match that had a lot of awkward moments. Uh, picked up a little bit uh, toward the end and uh, gives us something to look forward to, though, Athena versus Willow Nightingale in the next round. And then we had the mogul embassy, Brian Cage, Swerve Strickland, Khan, and the guy I keep calling Tay Leone. That's the woman that was married to David Duchovny. It's Toa Leona, and he defeated Chuck Taylor. Trent Beretta, Rocky Romero, and El Desperado. Uh, El Desperado had no business being in this spot. He should have been in a much more prominent one. Uh, but we did get to see uh, swerve we got some
1: comedy spot out of it. And people like Desperado, so sure. I swerve love got seeing the win Rocky,
2: a... even though I mean it's not like I was glad to see Rocky because I love Rocky. He's one of my faves. Like yeah. he's one of the people that helped get me into him being on on the mic with Kevin Kelly. On my, you know, my... I subscribed because of. People Mm -hmm. like that. And so I love him. He's one of the first wrestling podcasts I ever did was on because he was Black Tiger. We did a show Mm -hmm. on Black Tiger. So, and and my friend went through and like gave me the whole like back history and we talked about it and it was amazing. So, Um, great.
0: There have been some great wrestlers that were Black Tiger in that way.
2: Like, I mean, yay, I got to see Rocky. I love seeing Rocky.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, th- this match wasn't bad. There wasn't anything wrong with oh, the match. I, 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 I wish El like, Desperado was bad. in a, a spot. <laughs> and, of course, Rocky Romero uh, books foreign talent for New Japan. So, big weekend for for Rock. And, uh, yeah, I mentioned Tom Waller defeating uh, Serpentico. Tom Waller, the man who cannot catch a freaking break in this That's business. We've so right? got the win on this
1: match. Basically, tip of the cap yes. by Tony Khan for a job well done with uh, navigating a number of matches throughout the week.
0: Yeah. So there you have it. So I hope they
2: put Tom on something this week. Really, really do because I am so bummed about that. And he is so awesome. And, both when Jeremy they, I, and
0: I felt that he earned his spot in the G1 again this year based off his performance last mm-hmm. year but it's it's such a loaded roster right now that there yeah, just wasn't
2: room for time. him and
0: cuz yeah, I was looking at it I don't know who you, the hell you take out uh but uh man it's it's a tough break because Tom I thought really did well last year I thought it's certainly worth another look hopefully he'll get back in the G1 another year and and he can get into a more prominent spot this this year cuz I no nobody works harder he's he's he, no one no one tries harder
2: I just love him so he's one of my faves he's definitely up there with like and I was really excited for him to be this happened last year too with uh Hiromu Mm -hmm. and
0: yeah 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 and I found
2: out about the same time which was we were finishing up and getting the bill for the food and getting ready to walk over to the arena I found out (laughs) around the same time that both of those matches were canceled both years
1: yeah Stephen, we did a preview of the July Fourth and July Fifth matches last week and covered it. And nothing really changed, so no. I don't think we really need to do anything with that. And We can, you know, wrap this yeah. up if you're thinking of so.
0: We can, but I have one final uh, sure. question for our guest right here. The uh, Mel was has been to both Forbidden Doors in person, so compared, uh, if we can compare and contrast, uh, what did you think this year did better? Was there anything that Forbidden Door one uh, did better than this year? Like I, you've been to both. and Not too many people could say that. What, what are your thoughts on how Forbidden Door 2 compared to Forbidden Door at 1?
2: All right. So I'll go venue first. Um, both venues are awesome, but Disclosure Bank Center understood what they were doing better than the United Center did. Uh, the United Center did not uncover their uh, big jumbo screen last year for Forbidden Door. No. So anybody that was in the cheap seats, had a very tough time seeing the offside spots. The this this ven- this venue they had it perfect. You could use a screen. You could sit anywhere in that arena. It was it was beautiful. I mean, I loved the United Center, but that would be my one like nitpick on them. Uh, so they picked two great venues, two great groups of fans. The thing that I would say that I kind of I was sitting there I was like, how is two going to be better than one? And then I sat and I was like. I liked two better than one but I liked it in the way that you know how when you do something for the first time and you've never done it before and you're like when I do this the next time it's gonna be so smoking awesome where it's like so the first one was the first time they had ever done it and they had all those problems is Okada gonna be involved Adam Cole is hurt um People getting pulled off the cards. That was the first time I saw the Young Bucks live. In all of the AEW, I've seen two Dynamites, I've seen a Collision, and I've seen a Furbindor. And then until then, that's the first time I've seen the Bucks on their own promotion. So I liked this one better because they took what they did last year. They fixed all the stuff that they should have fixed. They were... Conscious of all of the things that they didn't do last year, and they had the full complement of like I think a friend put like last year it was all about New Japan needing AEW. This year it's much more about AAW needing New Japan, and so because of all the weirdness that's gone on with AEW and the numbers of now, and all these things, and so. They did a really nice job and they, they were like it, was it was like they nailed it the second time it was better because it like they made it, it it was better because it should have been better and it should have evolved and it should have been more on key and it should have been, they should have been hitting those moments when they should have been. And I mean, except for some of those, like the things that we talked about with falling apart, like (laughs) the two best my two my top two wrestling
1: shows (laughs) they go
2: two and one and i mean we're basically going to try and do this is like going to be our highlight of the year deal we're going to try and do this as much as they're willing to do it so as many years as they want to do for vindoor we want to try and get to them because we get to explore on top of that sort of thing but
1: well great which one did you like better
0: I like this one a little bit better, and, and, and I, enjoyed, I enjoyed the hell out of both of them, but this one had a little special aura to it because of the lineup and just because of the way that uh, Omega-Will
1: uh, match went. How about you, Jeremy? I was at maximum saturation. I thought this year's booking was safer by necessity because of the chaos and all the work that they went into, but that made for kind of a very special card Something that was kind of a lightning in the bottle scenario. And I have a little bit of affinity in my heart for it as a result. But this was a better show. All
0: right. So, Mel, again, we want to thank you very much for giving us your live perspective on this show and sharing what you shared, uh, especially that how personal that whole thing went with with Danielson and things. That was that was a special thing to share with us, and we definitely appreciate uh, that you feel uh, comfortable uh, telling us those uh, that so and giving us that perspective on things. So, man, uh, this has been great having you here. We're really grateful, and we definitely want to give you this chance to plug anything you have, Power Bombshells, anything else you want for that matter.
2: It's my pleasure. And uh, I I said this to a lot of people is I have this knowledge, and I need to do something with I may as well help other people. And, you know, it's something that happened to me. And it's not who I am. This doesn't define me. But it is something if I can help or reach out or my, my story helps other people understand that maybe I should go check that out. Or the fact that like, it's a less invasive process 10 years, 12 years later. Uh, it's 12 years it'll be 12 years uh 12 years later is that it's it's just a tiny hole instead of the much more invasive situation like that I'm part of that I'm still here and I love that and uh be- and wrestling has be- been very much a part of my recovery and my ability to be able to discuss these things with people and wrestling fans are I mean I've been able to actually become like very Close like with Jim Bally, who has been through similar life-threatening, yeah. scary world things, and uh, we get to share our love of wrestling, and and you know take these things out into the world with us. So and that's why uh, you know we at Power Bombshells we do really like to enjoy like we like to celebrate things like that about you know whether it's helping someone's mental health or just helping someone have a better day because pro wrestling at the end of the day like it's about fun. It's about happy. It's about us all, like, we're cheering for people in spandex who are fake fighting each other, like, (laughs) and it's the greatest thing ever. And they're so athletic and we have so much fun doing it. And I think that that's really important. So at Power Bombshells, every Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern, live on this very channel. So all you have to do is click the subscribe and you'll get all of us. Yeah. Which we're you should.
0: You yeah, you absolutely should. And of course, don't forget to look into the uh, Fight Game Media Patreon as well. So and with that, we will just remind everybody next week we are on Wednesday, July 5th, a day later, and we'll be covering those Cork and Hall shows, uh, the NJPW Strong Independence Day. And that'll be at our regular time at uh, 515 Eastern two fifteen 15 Pacific. Jeremy, anything else to add before we wrap this one up?
1: been a long week i'm talked out thank you for everyone for indulging my silly opinions if you're still watching after the fifteen thousand hours of hearing my voice i love you too
0: i never get tired of it jeremy i never get tired of it and we will be back next week thank you everybody for listening and then for jeremy and mel i'm stephen conway thanks for watching speaking in strong style we'll see you again real soon